Okay, so welcome back to another episode of the Isaiah Get Podcast. Um, so we're gonna be discussing the same things we've been discussing. Um, you know, like I said, we're we're fully locked and loaded with the NBA and also the NFL draft. Um, we've had the combine this past week, and we got some NFL free agency news um this past week, and we're gonna talk about the biggest thing, biggest news that broke was Tom Brady. We're gonna get into Tom Brady's move, Tom Brady's next move or his next destination. And I gave you already gave you guys a sneak peek on this Super Bowl week, but I don't think some people they didn't listen. But now it's coming to fruition. I'm gonna tell you the team that makes the most sense for Tom Brady. Um so without further ado, let's go, let's get it, and um I catch you guys on the other side. <clears throat> Welcome to episode 94. Welcome to episode 94 of the Isaiah Kid podcast with uh, Isaiah Kid. Um, so, <clears throat> uh, before I get into it, February was a great month. We, uh, we, we did some big time numbers in February. So, thank you guys. Thank you to the first time listeners. Thank you to the last time listeners. Um, thank you to all the people that listen. Thank you to the parents that listen. Thank you to the kids that listen. Uh, thank you to the Clipper fans that listen. Thank you to everybody. Uh, Spotify listenership, Apple Podcast listenership, um, iHeart Radio listenership. Thank you for all those platforms. Um, we did a we did a hell of a job in February um, with clicking with clicks uh, and with the streams. We did great. So thank you to all those listeners on those different platforms and such. So before during the during Super Bowl week. I talked a little bit about Tom Brady's free agency. I talked a little bit about it. And I brought up the fact that Tom Brady and the Cowboys did not sound too far-fetched, right? I, I, I brought that point up. And I know a lot of people did not disagree. I, I know a lot of people did not agree with that point. That was not a, like, that was not a well-liked point or opinion that I pulled out. Um, I, I, I've talked about, I've talked about Brady and now we all know the news of Brady, according to some people, according to the media, according to some NFL insiders, Brady is, it, it, it seems, it, it, he's not going to return to New England. That, that's what it's sounding like. Um, it, it's, it, it's surprising. I was leaning towards him signing back with New England, but all signs and reports are saying that he's not going to return back to New England and he's heading into free agency 
in the mindset that he's going to be playing for a new team. And it does not sound too crazy now. I think the mo I think the things that Tom Brady most cares about. First, you have to be in contention. You have to have the roster ready to go to be in Super Bowl contention for Brady's side. Like Brady's not going to go to a franchise that's developing. He's not going to go to a roster that's developing. He wants to go to a roster where the roster's full and set in most places. And this is what he's particularly looking for. This is what Brady's looking for. Brady is looking for a winning coach. He's looking for offensive weapons, O-line, receivers, backs, etc. He's looking for the market. He has to Brady also wants to expand the TB12. He wants to expand the TB12. That's his brand. He wants to expand on that. It's probably the biggest brand in NFL football. Then the brand, the market matters, but then the brand of the team, the brand of the team also matters. So I think we are looking at Brady. These are the things that he wants. A winning coach. The, 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 the team already aligned. The, 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 the roster that's already aligned. Weapons. O-line, all that. Market, and then the brand. And like I said, like I, I said this during Super Bowl week. Super Bowl week where I, we where we broke down the Super Bowl the entire week. And I, I brought in Brady, Brady's free agency into the account. And I said, hey, these are the things he's looking for. And I said, hey, the Cowboys have these things. And now we're back at this again. What? Uh, now, a month later, a month later, we're heading into March, and I'm now saying, well, all signs are pointing towards Brady leaving New England, and out of those things that I list, listed and mentioned, who has all of those things going for themselves? The Cowboys. I know, we, I know it doesn't sound right. Peyton Manning to the Broncos didn't sound right. Joe Montana to the Chiefs didn't sound right. Emmett Smith to the Cardinals didn't sound right. Michael Jordan to the Wizards didn't sound right. But it happened. Those things happened. These things happened. So now, tell me another team that makes sense. Tell me another team that makes sense. That has all of these factors going for themselves. Tell me another team. Okay, you want to bring up Tennessee? Cause I know, I know a lot of people are mentioning the Titans. Okay, the Titans, they got the coach, Mike Vrabel. You know he's a he he played he played with Tom Brady. You know he he he's a, he has experienced playoff appearances, and now he has playoff wins. He got to the AFC title game, and he beat New England in route to doing it. He beat. New England and Baltimore to get to the AFC Championship game. Okay? So, Mike Vrabel at the coach position. Their, Tennessee's roster, it was good enough to get to an AFC title game, but if you add Brady to that roster, maybe they can get over the hump. They got a good running back. O-line is pretty decent. 
Receivers are AJ Brown and Corey Davis. They're 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 not the top receiving duo, but they're 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 good receivers. They're better than what New England had this year. They're they're much better than what New England had this year, and Brady would take those two guys in a heartbeat. So yeah, and you got some good players on defense. You know, Jarrell Casey, uh, the, the the linebacker uh, that Tennessee had. You got you got some good. The um, bird, the safety. They got some good players in defense, okay? But here's what gets Tennessee in trouble. Tennessee don't have the brand. Who are the Titans? The Titans don't, the, the Titans don't have a brand. And then their market, the Tennessee market. As far in when we're, when we're discussing football, and, with, we're, and we're discussing football within the Tennessee market, we usually are talking about the Tennessee Volunteers. We, we usually talk about the University of Tennessee. We usually talk about that Tennessee, the University of Tennessee. When we're talking about uni, when we're talking, about, it's more of a college town. It has a college feel to towards it. It's a college town. It's not a pro football town. So could Brady expand his TB12 brand in Tennessee, where? It's not even a. It's more of a college town. Could he really ex- expand and make his TB12 brand bigger, company bigger? Can he do that in Tennessee? I don't know. I don't know. The Chargers. I've heard the Chargers. Okay. Yeah, the market. It's LA. The roster. The Chargers have a pretty good roster. Melvin Gordon, you know. Uh, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Joey Bosa on defense, you know, Melvin Ingram on defense, both lined up on both sides of the, of the, of the line, D-line, you know, okay. You got Darren James in the secondary, got some good DBs. Not bad, right? Well, I would, and, and, and don't you know there's more billionaires? There's no, There's more billionaires in Dallas than it is in L.A. There's more billionaires in Dallas than it is in L.A. Okay? So when we're saying market, yes, L.A. usually is the market to go to or the go-to market when you're you're talking about markets because it's L.A. But there are more billionaires in Dallas. Keep that in note. And plus... The brand of the Chargers. Mm, is it the brand of the Cowboys? Nah, nowhere close. Nowhere close. The Raiders. I've heard the Raiders come into this conversation. Coach, John Gruden. Okay. Even though the Raiders were surprising this year, they were they were one of the teams that really uh, overachieved. But the brand, the Raiders, uh, shaky. Okay, shaky. Um, the market, Las Vegas, not bad. The brand of the Raiders, not bad. But the, the Raiders have historically in the NFL has been one of those storied franchises. The roster, mm, still have some holes there. You still have some holes in the roster. And I just don't think the Raiders... Like, I don't think 
they match up well with Brady. The Raiders have been like the renegade. They've been the bad guy. You know, I, I just don't think that matches up with Brady. And also, does Brady want to play Patrick Mahomes two times a year? Does he want to play Patrick Mahomes two times in the regular season? I don't, I don't think so. Chargers or Raiders? I don't think Brady wants to play Patrick Mahomes two times a year. And this is what goes back to my point about the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys, you can love them or hate them, but they make the most sense. They make the most sense. They have the brand. It's the Cowboys. The Cowboys are the most valued franchise in sports throughout the entire world. I think they're worth about almost $6 billion, the Cowboys. So the brand is a no-brainer. The market in Dallas, no state tax. No state tax in Texas. And also, like I mentioned earlier, there's more billionaires in Dallas than it is in L.A. Also, the winning coach. The winning coach factor. Mike McCarthy is a winning coach. He's done nothing but win. Last year's in Green Bay, a little shaky. But he's done nothing but win, and he has a Super Bowl championship under his belt. And then lastly, the roster. The Cowboys offensively, especially offensively, are really good. And if you you have Zeke, that old line with Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, Randall Cobb. That that's a good that that's a good offensive line. That's a good offensive line. That's some good offensive weapons. Those are the weapons that Brady wants. Brady never had an Ezekiel Elliott at the running back position. He's never had a guy that can rush for 1,700 yards behind him. Ezekiel Elliott can do that now. I think the I said it, I said it a month ago during the Super Bowl week, and I'm gonna say it again. I think the Cowboys make the most sense. The Cowboys, Tom Brady to the Cowboys makes the most sense. It's 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 LeBron going to the Lakers on steroids. If the if 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 Tom Brady was to join the Cowboys, it's like LeBron joining the Lakers on steroids because he because Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback in in history, is joining the most valued franchise in the sport and in the world. That that that's box office. That's box office, and the Cowboys would be on primetime television as much as possible. They, I mean, they already are. They, 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 I mean, they already usually they 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 have primetime games. But with Brady, they will always be in the primetime spot because that that's must see football. That's must see TV. And also the other you know variables that I listed already. With the O-line, the coach, the culture, the brand, the market. The Cowboys have all of that going for themselves. They have all of that going for themselves. That's all. All of it going for themselves. Now, so, I want to shift gears to the Redskins. So, the Redskins have came out and said, hey, we are very interested in Tua. And then you know, I, you know, we talked, we we talked about that point, and that you know, when that when that news broke, we talked about that um, a little bit. We talked about it a little bit, 
And you guys already know what I think the Redskins should do with that pick. But now, there's various reports, you know, criticizing Dwayne Haskins. And then also saying, hey, we really love Tua. Now, I see this thing going to two, two, two things. Two things with this. With these, with these various reports that the Redskins have made the last two days, two, three days. Either this is trade, this is either this is trade bait to force a team like Miami that sits at the number at the number five spot and also holds an additional two first round picks. Maybe this is trade bait for a team like Miami. To trade their number five and a first round pick to jump the number two in order to draft two. Maybe this is what this maybe this is what it is. And maybe the Redskins are getting smarter. Because I know and you know if that the Redskins have a lot of holes. They have a lot of holes in their team. They have a lot of holes in their roster. But the other way I can see this going is the Redskins are going to take Tua Tungvaloa. They're going to draft, they're going to pick Tua Tungvaloa, and they're not going to trade with Miami. I can see it going two ways. Either they trade down with Miami, and Miami says, hey, we're going to give you the number five pick, and we're going to give you uh, another first-round pick in this, in, in this year's draft, and a second-round pick, and, Miami, and the Redskins take it. And that's what they wanted all along. Or they're going to actually really draft to a ton of Aloha. And like I said, um, and I, I, didn't, I, I did not discuss this scenario on the previous episode. I didn't discuss the scenario of the Redskins drafting Tua because I didn't quite frankly think they were going to do it. But now uh, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. And this is what makes Miami curious because if I'm curious, that and you know if and, I, and I'm if I'm questioning wh- whether or not the Redskins will actually take to a to a Tungvaloa or or if this is just some trade bait, is this just some trade bait or are the Redskins seriously thinking about drafting to a Tungvaloa and moving on from Dwayne Haskins just after? What nine starts, seven starts? Do do, you know? And this is what I'm struggling with. Are they really trying to do this? Are they really trying to trade? Are they really trying to draft Tua? But even if they do draft Tua, and I think Tua, out of all the quarterbacks in this draft, I think Tua, he's um he's definitely like a he's definitely like a generational talent. Out of all of these guys in the in the in the, in the draft, but. Would that be enough to save the Redskins? Would that be enough? I'm asking. Would it be enough to save the Redskins? I don't know. Because they have so many glaring holes in their roster. And also, me being from the area, this is just me being from the area. Because many people can give you their their perspective and their opinion, but I'm actually from the area, and I know how prideful I know how much pride these fans take in their Redskins. I know how much pride these Washingtonians 
take into their Redskins. And they will support their Redskins to the end. But I've seen nothing since I've been alive. I've seen nothing but a losing culture, a dysfunctional culture, a culture that is contaminating. Despite you being a good talent, the culture that the Redskins have and Dan and Dan Snyder that they that the culture that they have presented out and passed down is contaminating. And no matter how talented you are, you might be a generational talent, but sometimes you're just put in the wrong situation. And I'm hoping Tua is not put in this wrong situation. Well, maybe I could be wrong. Maybe, maybe this is the coaching staff. Maybe this is the regime that turns around the dysfunctional culture that I'm used to seeing from the Redskins. Because that's what I'm used to seeing. I know I'm completely aware that the Redskins were really good in the 80s. They were really dominant throughout the 80s and good for, for a stretch in the early 90s. I'm aware of that. But since I've been alive, I have experienced nothing but a losing in a disgusting and a dysfunctional culture. That is what I've experienced with the Redskins. And many Redskins fans can attest to that. So with me being through with me being within the area, living in the area, I know I see it firsthand with the Redskins fans. I see it firsthand. They take a lot of pride in their team and they're gonna back their team. But they will admit, it's been a losing and a dysfunctional culture that is that, 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 that can contaminate anybody, even if they are a generational talent. And that's what I think Tua Tungvaloa is. But maybe, like I said, maybe, but maybe, maybe Ron Rivera, Jack Del Rio, maybe this is the new regime, that maybe this regime... It's going to set a new precedent for the Redskins. Maybe, maybe, maybe this is their new step. That this is another step. This is a new step that they're taking. Maybe that's just what this is. Maybe the Redskins, you know, could be using these reports to make Miami nervous, to force Miami to trade up for Tua. Maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe. I'm not going to count that out. I'm not gonna count. I'm not gonna count that out. Maybe the Redskins have turned the corner, but would I bet on it? No, I'm not gonna bet on it because I have seen this countless times. I've seen it countless times with the Redskins organization and Dan Snyder being the lead and top dog. I have seen it, so that's what I'm getting from it. I hope it's trade bait. I hope it's to bait Miami into the second pick and trading up and giving up some of those first round picks. I hope that th- I hope that's what this is. And the Redskins are not actually thinking about drafting Tua. And even if they do draft Tua, are they, are they going to put the right pieces around him? Or is that losing culture just going to feed right off of Tua? Even though Tua has done nothing but win, and he's a generational talent because that's what the Redskins do. 
even if you are a great talent, the losing culture, the dysfunction, it rubs off of you. It's contaminating. And that's what the Redskins have been. So I'll be back. Um, I'll be back with the call in with the caller. Um, you know, you know, we're gonna talk some NBA. So um, yeah, I'll be back. I'll be back. I'm gonna give you guys a break. I'm gonna give myself a break. See you. stuff just about a couple times a day read up on some blogs try to see what's going on um and keep you guys updated but we're gonna get into this nba now um so i have michael on the phone with me uh i guess he's my wizards correspondent uh because i i mean to be honest with you if you guys want me to be honest brutally honest I don't watch the Wizards much. I watch them here and there. Um, I catch some. I catch Bradley Bill's highlights because the guy's he's averaged thirty six in the month of February. It's kind of hard to scroll past that. So I do catch his highlights, but I don't watch the games entirety uh, for the Wizards because I'm sorry. I just I just don't, guys. I'm sorry. I watch the Clippers, Lakers, Celtics, Bucks. Rockets. I watch those teams. I'm sorry. But, um, so this is why I have him. Um, so, and with the Wizards, I, you know, a couple people have came up to me and talked about the Wizards, and basically, you know, they, um, they're, they're so obsessed. But this is my thing, and I think it's, it's such, it's, it's one of the worst positions to be in in sports. As far as football and basketball and baseball and baseball, but more, more so in football and basketball, I think it's the worst position to be in, especially basketball, where you make the playoffs. You're good enough to make the playoffs, but you're not good enough to win a round. Like, okay, say if the Wizards do, you know, say if the Wizards do catch up and they get the eighth seed. We all know that the Wizards are not good enough to even win a game against Milwaukee. That, that you know, Milwaukee would probably, Milwaukee would sweep them. And that is the worst place to be in in basketball. I'd rather be bad and have a lottery pick and something to look forward to and some cap space so I can sign some players and get better. But the Wizards, they, they are amongst those teams that, have, that can make the playoffs but can't win a playoff series. So can you give me, like, the future? Like, what does the future of the Wizards look like? <clears throat> Um, truthfully, I honestly don't know. Um, I feel like John Wall's been off so long that he's not nearly going to come back the same player as he was before. Um, and I think Riley Bill's getting frustrated, man. Um, 
Yeah, we understand. You know, he's trying to hold it down for John Wall, but you know, he's hold, he's held it down for a very long time. It's, it's only a matter of time until you know he makes a decision on leaving. Um, we're expecting to see John Wall next season. Hopefully, hopefully he'll come back and he'll um, you know make a true difference because. As of right now, Bradley Bill is the only person who I see creating anything for the Wizards. Um, I think that the future is only within those two names, which is John Wall and Bradley Bill. As it's always been more of Bradley Bill's name now that he's proven his worth and exactly the talent that he possesses. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, I don't know. It's, it's, it's so weird to talk about because... We no longer have a superstar in the Eastern Conference. Well, we have superstars, but we don't have a finals-winning superstar in the Eastern Conference. And right. I, mean, I feel like every time we have the chance of going to the playoffs, we can't make it past the second round. Um, I agree with you when you say you rather not make the playoffs and get a lottery pick than go to the playoffs and get swept. Because the thing about us is we don't play defense. The Wizards don't play defense at all. That's Defense is non-existent. That them. I do know. <laughs> yes, they, they, they have no idea what defense <laughs> is. They let very, very, very regular teams that are either 8th, ninth seeds, and stuff like that in East score 142 points. Now, I don't, I don't care if you are, what, the ninth or 10th seed, you know, that's not that's not good for any NBA team, let alone you only not being able to uh, shut down people who usually are the people who are the superstars in the team. It's, you guys may have the superstars, let them have, you know, sorry or very below average nights. But then you let other people who aren't the best players even really on their team score 45, 50 points. Right. So until the Wizards find out how to play defense – until the Wizards find out how to draft people they know would work in specific spots, until the Wizards find out how to work with the coach that they have now and actually make it a little bit farther than they want, I don't really see us getting anywhere. And I feel like either Bradley Bill's going to leave, and I'm still going to be a fan of his. I have his jersey now, and if he leaves, I'll have his jersey on that other team. But John Wall needs to know when he comes back, Bradley Bill's going to expect nothing but the best. He was able to carry them or not carry them at all right now. He's just he's putting the whole team on his back. But John Wall needs to realize the best, the only thing that he could give on his way back because Bradley Bill has shown exactly what he's capable of. He showed that he was an all-star snub, averaging the most points ever going into the all-star break without being on an all-star team. There's nothing more that Bradley Bill can sit here and prove to anybody. He's proved that he is that guy on the team. Um, he's made. I think I feel like he's made almost a bigger name for himself than John Wall has. Why? Because he's produced in the way that John Wall did produce, but he hasn't produced in a very long time. And those are very important aspects in order for the Wizards to have any type of movement ahead. Right. So I mean, and like you said, you summed it up pretty well. Um, I think there's because I've had some Wizards fans talk to me and say, "Hey." John Wall's gonna be back. He's taking off two years. He's gonna be back better than ever. I'm like, um, I don't, I can't say that because he's coming off on a torn Achilles. He's coming. I, I forgot. I, I, I literally have forgotten the injury 
that he both was knees. huh? To both knees. Both knees are Surgeon are surgically knees. repaired. He's coming off a torn Achilles, and he's a he's and let's be let's just be honest. He's a point guard. He's a point guard that cannot shoot. They can't shoot a consistent three point shot. And he's and he's thirty. He would he would be thirty next year. So I I, don't, I just don't know how that shapes up. <laughs> and he's making a ton of money. He's making uh, so I don't I don't know. Yes, he, he's turning. He's twenty nine right now, and Bradley Bill's still still twenty six. He's Bradley Bill's still in the prime of his career. Yeah, and it can only get better from here. John Wall, on the other hand, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and write him off and sit here and say like no. He's not gonna come back, and he's not gonna be able to do anything because that would just be, you know, totally just throwing his name in the trash. But I don't expect him to come back and be like some type of all star as soon as he comes back. Right. No. But I do expect right. some type of tweaks to his game, and I hope, <laughs> and hopefully, he's realized that the three point shot is a very big thing coming into the NBA, especially nowadays, where you know, point guard stuff like that. Some point guards are shoot first point guards. Some are pass first, and I hope he realizes that that three point shot is a very serious tool that is needed, especially if you want to play in the Eastern Conference where mm-hmm. you may not be able to get inside because teams have proven that um, you know uh, inside defense is becoming a more serious thing. Yeah. Lately. Yeah. So. so yeah, I mean, I, and I, I've I've been a big critic of John Wall because of the lack of jump shot. And and he I, I feel like John I feel like John always played at one speed. He never had multiple gears. I think that's what makes a guy like Damian Leonard um so so good and so effective and that's why Dame has been better because Dame he doesn't play at one speed. Dame can switch up the speed and also Dame can shoot. It all that helps as well. But Dane doesn't all he doesn't always play at one speed. And that's that's and that's just been the thing with John. That's just been that's just been one of my things that I pick with John Wall with. He plays at one speed, a hundred miles per hour, and he can't shoot. I, I think I think that's a big missing component. And you said, like you said, we like Giannis, we like Jason Tatum. But there is no LeBron James standing in your way in the Eastern Conference. Or there's no Kawhi Leonard standing in your way in the Eastern Conference. And I'm glad you brought up the Eastern Conference. So I think we can all admit Milwaukee's they're fifty what, they're fifty one and eight. They are they they're good on the road, they're good at home. They um they, they have the highest point differential in NBA history so far. Who and I, I told my listeners already, I said I think there's three teams that's gonna be that could possibly win the title. Three teams. I've limit my 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 number to three teams. The two LA teams and Milwaukee. I think those are the only three teams that can win the NBA title. I think those be I think I think that would be the outcome. One of those three teams will win it. Um, and I, I, I like Boston. I, don't, I, I just don't think Boston has enough size to compete with Milwaukee or the Lakers. But I really like Boston, and Boston's interesting. Who, in your opinion, is like a threat towards Milwaukee? 
Uh, the only secret threat that I think is towards Milwaukee, you know, it has to be the Celtics. Yeah. Um, as we saw tonight, they lost in a OT game with the Rockets by they lost by one. Mm-hmm. Um, they lost to the Lakers, but that game went as you saw. That game was very close. Really good. They've been showing that you know these some of these Western Conference teams that you know they can hang in there with them, even though it's ending in losses. They beat the Clippers they're, too. They're, they're yeah, they're they're hanging in there with them. They're hanging in there. With the the teams that are you know because because we look at the Western Conference as you know the more the very high scoring conference the very flashy dashy and you know for the Celtics to go in there and they're, they're forty one and seventeen right now and uh, eight and two in their last ten games for them to be able to do that now, those are important things I think that the Celtics and the Bucks if they do wind up meeting each other in the playoffs that will have to go to a seven game series no one's getting swept in Mm. that Mm -mm. in that series no 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 one's getting swept there's there's no way it's ending at six it's a seven game series Mm -hmm. through and through i feel like it will have to ultimately end with them two in the eastern conference finals if they don't if they don't play each other before because i mean the Raptors are a great team they're seven and three in their last 10 games they're 42 and 17 but I mean, they've always showed us that in terms of regular season, you know, they're always either the one, two, or three seed. Right. Playoff games, and they don't have a superstar. They, they, they lack to do what needs to be done. Right. And the Heat, you know what I'm saying, the Heat have been in a skid. They were four and six in their last 10 games. God. I don't, know, I don't really know what's going on. They're losing oh, my like God. Places where, you know, they're not supposed to be getting, you know, they're not supposed to be, you know, getting, uh, getting a loss. They're losing to people like Minnesota, Who's almost what? If they're not the last in their conference, I mean, yeah, the Minnesota's seventeen and forty-one. Yeah, what are you doing losing to seventeen and forty-one? They lost to the Cavs. You lost to the Cavs. They lost to the Cavs. No, yeah, no. The, the, what, what are you doing? And don't Philly's even last. Don't even talk about Philly. Oh my Absolutely god! Not. You know what Philly reminds me of? <laughs> I already know. No, not, no, no, not even the Cowboys. Oh, the Cowboys. Philly reminds me of the damn Seahawks in that last play when they decided to throw the damn ball instead of running. Because mm-hmm. it's never consistent with what they are going to do. They have one job, right. one job only, which is to run the same team they ran when they went to the damn Eastern Conference Finals with the Raptors. Now, I don't know if this is a peep toward, you know, Joel and B when they leave or something like that. He says he wants to play with Ben, but I don't know what's going on. They, yeah, they, they, they don't like each other. But it's like, y'all are fifth in the conference. You're six or four in your last 10 games. But you guys go on, like, these regular, like, weird skids and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's confusing. They play the Clippers tomorrow. I really want to see oh, that. God. Then they play the Lakers on Tuesday. Oh, that's God. A, that's a, that is a great Oh, great, God. Great, great, great well, they're going to lose. They, oh, if, they're, if they're not at home, they lose. But they're going to have to show us, well, <laughs> let's see, what's really going on with y'all? Because y'all are playing the two best teams in the Western Conference. So show us what's really going on. Then. So this is how you guys are choosing to do what you do. I mean, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Even though in the last game against the Lakers, they won 108-91. Uh, yeah. But they lose to teams like the Hawks. By yeah. ten, like, how does that work? They lose to the Heat by thirty. Like, I'm, 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 I'm lost as to how that works. 
that doesn't make any sense to me. At home, they have beaten. Look and get this out. Check this out. I looked this up. I I I noticed this. Guess they they've beaten the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Bucks at home. They've beaten the best three teams at home. So it's not talent. It's not talent. The, the talent is there. I I I would probably make the argument that. That Philadelphia is more talented than Milwaukee, yeah. so it's not talent. They cannot win a road game. They can't win road games. They can't do it. I, and I don't understand it because they're too talented not to win road games. I don't understand it. Um, like you said with Toronto, they don't have a star, but I feel like Toronto's well coached. They're gonna play defense, but. They'll probably win. They'll win a first round series because they had played a seven seed. But once they series. once they run it, I don't. I think they'll be done. I think I think they'll be done. And um, Miami, don't even mention Miami. Um, yeah, I don't even mention yeah Miami. It's, just, it's weird. Yeah, very weird. Uh, yeah. Oh God, Miami. They lost to Cleveland. Miami lost to uh, Minnesota. They lost to the worst teams in each conference. Um, I, I'm not sold on them. I like them. Uh, could they win a playoff series? Uh, maybe. But right now, they will have to play Philadelphia. And I don't know who I would take. <laughs> uh, honestly, honestly, I don't know either. Because, you know, it's like, like you said, the Sixers, they're just having really weird, like, road woes. Like, yeah. It's <laughs> like, on the road, they're worse than, like, the Charlotte Hornets. The Charlotte Hornets are like a 21-win team. How do you go on the road and be worse than the 21 and win Charlotte Hornets? It doesn't make any sense. It's like, what are we going, what's like, what's going on? Like, I would have to ask Brett Brown, like, what, what are we doing here? What are we doing? Like, what are we doing? We're switching sides. Like, do we have any type of answers here? Anything. Are like, you guys not paying attention to detail on defense? Are you guys not making simple shots? Right. He can't admit any of that. He's like, he, he just never can get to the actual answer. He goes all the way around Robin Hood's bush and talks about everything about, like, what influences our defense. No, we don't care about what influences the defense. How is the defense run? What are you going to change? What exactly is going to go on? So that your team is not going to keep losing these games, which puts them in a very bad space. Because as of right now, we see that Philadelphia players hold on to losses. Yeah. They don't really let them go. They, they hold on to them. <laughs> So what are you going to do? They have, an, they have an NBA defensive rating, and it's 17th in three-point percentage. On the road, they're like, what, they're 23rd or 26th or something like that? They're like 9-21 away from the Wells Fargo Center, which mm-hmm. isn't at all good. I mean, yeah, I mean, and they also go to this Western Conference uh, battle without Joel and Ben. So how are you guys going to manage to get through that? Yeah, I, I, don't know. I, I yeah, I don't know how they would get through it because they have, like you said, they play the Clippers <clears throat> and then the Clippers tomorrow, and then the Lakers on Tuesday. That that that's interesting. That that is very interesting. And like I said, roster is on point. The the seventy sixers roster is on point. That's why I say I think they're the Cowboys of the NBA. The Cowboys roster on point. But for some reason, I don't know what, I, like, I don't know what does not click. Um, you know, they, then, then their stars, NB can't stay healthy. So I don't know. I, I don't know what to, I don't know what to think of them. 
Um, they don't give me much hope. And like you said, if I don't know who wins a first round matchup between Miami and Philadelphia, because my, you know for Philadelphia is going to win all their games at home, but I don't know if they can win a game on the road. And then Miami, Miami, it seems like with Miami. Okay, here here's my thing with Miami, <clears throat> and this is what I noticed. And I like Duncan. I like Duncan Robinson. I like Chris Nunn. Those guys are ballers. But I feel like Jimmy Butler, if he has an off night, that's it. It's a wrap. Because these, those other guys play well off of him. Chris Nunn, Duncan Robinson, they play well off of him. And I like Bam Adebayo. Bam Adebayo is playing really well. But um, I, I just feel like if Jimmy Butler is having a down night, if he's having an off night, those other guys are having an off night. And... You and you and you and you sometimes see why they were undrafted. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, I, so that's that's my issue with Miami. But I I, I don't know. I I, I just I, think Philadelphia's they're too talented not to win a playoff series. I think that on the course of this travel that they have, I think the most important players we have to pay attention to is Josh Richardson. Tobias Harris and Al Horford, since that is considered another three trio. Oh, I think if they can show what they can do together as a three, that might give us a good insight because with Joel and Ben out, those are the three guys who are left. So I feel like they're going to have to step through and show exactly what they can do in order for this team to go ahead because we're seeing other teams – and their benches are coming in and are doing, if not the same quality, even better quality than their starters are. And in order for 76ers to even go far, your bench is actually going to have to work with you. The people who are also in the rest of your starting lineup, besides your two all-star players, are also going to have to work with you. Mm-hmm. That, that's just how it has to go. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, if, it's, if you're going out there and, what well, I guess you're – Biggest players, your two biggest players aren't out there with you. You know what I'm saying? Y'all have to be able to work together. I mean, is that three? Like, like I said, try to make shots, play defense, play sound defense, not have people running past you and things like that. But like, can the 76ers do it? We don't even know if they can do it. Yeah. So, I know you've been paying attention. I've been paying attention. Um, and I, you know, everybody's been paying attention, and we all talk about Zion, 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 Zion. I think right. he is the first teenager in NBA history to score 20, 20 straight points in 10, I mean, 20 points in 10 straight games, 10 consecutive games. He has scored 20 points. First teenager to ever do so. So I want to talk about Zion. Um, with Zion, how, I mean, how do you feel about him? How do you feel, you know, his first, like, 15 games, first month of basketball, how do you feel about Zion? Um, I would, well, I would have to use that comparison to Charles Barkley. Yeah. I feel like mm-hmm. we are witnessing something that is pretty daggone nice because we're looking at a guy who is the second to second to most heaviest player in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. And he has verticals of a 6'6 dunk champion. He can snatch the ball out of the two 
200 pound man, 250 pound man's hands easily. Somehow he's able to take jab steps and hit threes. Somehow he's able to fight for rebounds and get back up all at 6'7", 285. I think that teams that he's been playing and he's been going against, he's, you know, continued to show more of the things he's able to do. Um, like you said, with these 10 games that he's been in, you know what I'm saying, 2019, he's averaging, you know, 23 points, just about. Seven rebounds. He's shooting off, what, almost a 60% field goal, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Minutes. I mean, if I was a rookie, I'll take that. Oh, oh, God, yes. I'm not going to push that away at all. I also feel like people aren't starting to realize exactly what role he has. I was having this conversation with somebody last week, and they were comparing John Morant to Zion Williamson, exactly who's the better player. Mm -hmm. And people were saying it was John, and other people were saying it was Zion. And people were like, well... Pelicans are doing better than, than the Grizzlies because they have more players. Well, no, Pelicans are actually not doing as good as the Grizzlies right now. But wouldn't you think that Zion wouldn't be scoring as much with those players on his team? He has Lonzo, Brandon Ingram, who's an all-star, mm-hmm. Josh Hart, Jackson Hayes. You have a nice team. Drew Holiday, good veteran. Drew Holiday, right. You, what, you think they would be scoring more than him? So doesn't it prove that Zion's having, if not a very spectacular, no no sweat to job. John's also a serious rookie year candidate too. We saw what he did tonight. Yep. Yeah. Beat the Lakers. But I mean, like, I don't have a problem with the guy walking out there, grabbing what nine rebounds, thirty one points, five assists against Portland. I don't. I don't have a problem with that at all. I don't have a problem with that. If my rookie could go out there after not even starting the beginning of the season only playing, what, 14 games? Yeah. I'm not complaining at all. So Somebody that, said they couldn't shoot, things like that. Yeah, no, man. Zion's having a damn heck of a season, man. So, it's, it, okay, so that leads me to the, the next question with Zion, because, you, you you know, everybody's saying pretty much the same thing. Uh, athletic, uh, they he reminds them a lot of uh, even Charles Barkley, I said more of a Sean Kemp, Kemp, you know, more of a Sean Kemp type of player. But to each his own. Everybody, it's, they're, they're, it's similar similarities. So, and here goes my thing. He's putting up these, you know, these phenomenal numbers. He's putting up phenomenal numbers. Is he, is he ever going to be a guy that is good enough? To be like a league MVP, is he ever going to be a guy that can be the number one option on a championship contending team? Is he ever going to be that guy, or is he a good two? I don't know. No, he's a good two. Oh, okay. Because he, um, I don't feel like he's the guy that I would put the ball in his hands and say, we have a minute and 25 seconds to go in this game. We're tied. Take over. Go put me up five. I can't put the ball in his hands. Can I trust that he'll get the rebound and put it back up after a missed shot? Yes. But do I take the ball down with him and say, Zion, go give me a bucket. I need you to change the shifts and gears of how this game is going to turn out. No. Now, judging on how, you know what I'm saying, the NBA is going now, 
politically, yes, they'll probably, you know, at some point get into that um, MVP talk. Yeah. But, I mean, it's not like we've seen enough. We haven't seen enough just yet. I feel like if New Orleans makes it to the playoffs, that's, a, that's almost, in my eyes, an automatic rookie of the year choice. Oh no! Really? They, they, they were the second. They were the first. What last worst, worst team in the West at some point? No, we can't do that, Jaw. I'm not doing that to Jaw, but that can be automatic. Meaning, if you went from a team who was proposed, oh, you're the big three now, things like that, and then you're able to do what you're doing now, no disrespect to Jaw, because if they don't make it, or if the Grizzlies make it, then no, it's it's job. Plain and simple. Right now, I don't see anybody else kind of pushing them out of the race because it's just it's those two guys who are wheeling their teams in their own respective ways. The problem with Brandon Ingram is Brandon Ingram is consistent, but not consistent enough to the point where we're able to talk about him night after night. Like, oh, did you see what he did? No, Josh Hart's not really doing anything. Lonzo, uh, I feel like, you know what I'm saying, he's almost like a Lance Stevenson character. He gets his five, six points or something <laughs> like that. But then those three quarters, then he might get about three or four buckets in the fourth quarter, and then that's his night. But, I mean, I feel like not the Zion on the new age, new dawn. I'm not saying all that. No, not even really that far. Because, like I said, we have no idea if he's going to be able to keep this stuff up. We have no idea how his body is going to age. Only played 14 games. With 14 games, that's really not enough for your joints to be like, oh. But I guarantee you, if he does play the rest of this season, going into it, that 285 is going to start weighing. And people kept asking me this question, comparing like Zion or Jaw long term. And they basically were like taking it how they were taking it, Patrick Mahomes. Um, and Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson long term. I'll be honest. In this race, I don't know who I would take long-term. And that is, I'm saying that because Zion is a matchup problem. He's too big for little guys, Mm -hmm. and he's too little for big guys. Mm -hmm. Too quick, yeah. He's way too quick for some of these guys. So it's like, who do you place on him that can manage to stop what he's doing? But I feel like with Ja, he's a, I feel like with Ja, he has the passing and IQ of a Rondo. Correct. But has the explosiveness like a Russell Westbrook. But they can also handle the ball like Chris Paul. So, like, he has some good combination. And you know how important the point guard position is? And he always have the ball in his hands. Right. So, he can, he can with him having the ball in his hands most of the time, he can impact the game a little bit more. But I feel like with Zion, I mean, it's crazy because they don't run no plays for him, and all he does is score 23, 25 points a night just rolling out of bed. Yeah, he he waits for the game to come to him. He doesn't doesn't start the game. The game comes to him. He gets It's like it's almost like waiting for the ball to roll in front of your face, but, oh, there it is, and then you do what you have to do. You know, he's not a guy who's going to sit there and wait for anything. No, the game comes to him. And I feel like the reason it is that easy is because the game does come to him. 
John Morant has to facilitate the entire offense, which is why people are like, keep talking about why are the numbers so different. Well, John has to pass the ball. He has to facilitate the offense. He's six three and what, one hundred and seventy five pounds, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Like you're talking about some go inside, start dunking everybody. You know, he's trying it. He can probably. Yeah, no. He has to facilitate the ball. He has to do things that Zion doesn't have to do. The game just can't come to John. John has to bring the game to everybody else. Everybody else eats what he's doing, what he's doing. But Zion will go out there, and he'll be the only person eating. So, I mean, it's like, yeah, that's another reason why I say long-term. Do you pick John or do you pick Zion? Because with John, you know what I'm saying, there's no real question if his body is going to react a different way. No, his body's going to react the same. There's no question is he going to develop a three-point shot. He can shoot it. Is Zion going to be able to develop a three-point shot? Uh, I don't know. I think people are going to start figuring out exactly the way he likes to play. Hmm. And, and though at some point, Nick Meyer tweaks that might throw him off. But, I mean, in terms of in terms of John, he scored, what, he's scoring uh, 70, average 17 points, about three rebounds, seven assists. He's around 50% field goal. As he played 54 games this season, which is pretty good. Um, yeah, no. I think he lacks playing against those better Western Conference teams, though. Yeah, um, yeah. He lacks that very yeah. seriously. Yeah. He's only scored 12 against Houston, 16 against the Clippers, and 17 against the Lakers. While he'll walk up. Well, he will score 27 against the Lakers tonight, which was better. Yeah. But he, he'll, score, yeah he'll score 27 against the Wizards and very small 15, 16-point games against other teams, which he needs to be better in, honestly, because none of those teams really have lockdown point guards. So I, I would feel that, you know, he would have a free-willy game, if you if you would say. Right, right. Um, I, and, like, I, I'm glad that Memphis got the win tonight because with Memphis, I feel like, uh, for, you know, I, since the All-Star break, after the All-Star break, the Grizzlies have the toughest remaining schedule in the league. So it's gonna be really, it's gonna be really for the. It's, they got to fight for that eighth spot, and um, their their win against the Lakers was a much needed one. They needed that win. They was coming off from you know consecutive losses. Uh, they needed that win, and yes, uh, John Morant did play well, and yeah, he does need to play better against the top, the upper echelon of the you know teams in the Western Conference, the Lakers, the Clippers. Uh, you know, Houston, because he, he got blown out against Houston uh, earlier this week. So, he does have to get better in those areas. Um, but, yeah. So, do you do, – so, let me get this. Do you think the Clippers are better than the Lakers? Um, it's a good question. Uh, I feel like – they're less consistent than the Lakers. Oh, yeah. Meaning, Paul George decides, you know, when he wants to play peekaboo with you. Oh, God. And he'll score 24 points one night. Next night, it'll be like, well, where's Paul George? Did he did he play tonight? It, he's, he's very inconsistent from what I'm seeing this year. Um, like, he'll go to teams like Phoenix and score 11 points. He'll go to Memphis and score seven. Um, that, that, that That's pretty interesting to me. Um, especially since those are the teams that you would figure he would have better games against. And I mean, he's averaging 21 points this season. Um, I mean, he's at around 42% field goal, five rebounds, three right. assists. <clears throat> I mean, that's all right. I feel like he's playing a role now 
more than a lead player because normally he's playing, you know, a very, very, very particular lead player. He's OKC. I mean, yeah, he had uh, Russell with him, but other than that, he's playing, you know, pretty, pretty big roles in those teams. Yeah, Paul was boogieing last year. Right. He averaged twenty-eight. Right. So, so to the team where Lou Will can score forty and. Kawhi Leonard can score 30, and Montrose Hill can score 25. That's a little bit different. That's a, that's a little bit different, which is like, are they better than the Lakers, or are, is it just a, a fact of they just find a way to kind of mess around with games? Because they also show it, they, they're also kind of weird because they show us that they can meet the Nuggets by 29 or something like that. Mm-hmm. But then, They'll lose to other teams and stuff, and it'll be like, well, what happened? They'll lose to the Kings, and yeah. Be like, well, what is that? <laughs> yeah. What's going on? Like, they'll lose to the Timberwolves by like thirty, and it's like, well, what happened, sorry, Clippers? What, what's going on? What were you? What was going on? Do certain teams just have your number, or is it a certain? Is it a weird thing? Like, you can't be considered one of the best teams in the Western Conference and then just lose to the Hawks out of nowhere. How does that work? I'm lost as as to how that works. That That's kind of weird. And I feel like they make up with it more. And it's almost like they're Philadelphia in a way, but they make up with it more um, on the road than they do, than the Clippers do. Because, I mean, like, are you guys playing? Are you guys not? Are you guys just, you know, waiting it out to the playoffs come? And everybody's going for right. the year. Right. Because I'm sorry, losing to the Kings, losing to people like the Minnesota Timberwolves, like almost getting blown out 142 115. I don't really know where to place you guys. <laughs> right. Losing by 20 to the Kings. I don't know what that What does that mean? What are you guys trying to tell us? I don't know. But then beating the Nuggets, who are considered, who are going to be probably, who are not probably, who are going to be in the playoffs, you beat them by 30. What's going on? Yeah, yeah, with the Clippers, I don't know. I, I, I've already said it. Very inconsistent, but they do have the the, the the they have the potential to be really good. Um, but <laughs> I, you know, guys haven't been healthy. Guys haven't been healthy for them. That's you know, let's be honest. They guys haven't been healthy, and it's funny because remember, like remember last year, the Clippers they used to play hard every night. Every night they used to go out and play hard. Lou Williams, Patrick Beverly, Montez Harrell, they they went out, play hard, win, lose, or draw, and they won forty eight games last year. But now it's like, uh yeah, uh yeah, we you know, we, we I feel like they just know that they have this. I feel like they just know <laughs> who they have on their team. I feel like they know they're making the playoffs. So they're like, ah, you just gonna walk through it, really. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like it's kind of like, like simming games on two K. It's like, well, yeah. I don't really know. Yeah, really. I don't know how that works. I mean, I feel like they know that they're going to the playoffs. They're like, what? But I mean, the Clippers <laughs> are also forty and nineteen. The Clippers are also forty and nineteen. Right, well, right. So we we, we we can't we can't get up on them too much. It's like yeah, no. you know, I mean, I mean the Rockets are thirty nine and twenty, like. Y'all are stacked up. Yeah. Jazz are 37-22. I mean, is, do we, are y'all not going to make a push for the number one seed? Because you can do it. You're five and a half games behind. You can do it, definitely. I mean, 
They're, they're not going to make a push. They're not going to make a push. They don't care. <laughs> We got 50 games. We got 40 games. All right, that was straight. They don't. The Clippers don't care. The, the their whole mindset has changed, and it's nothing wrong with it because they had Kawhi. You know, Kawhi takes his nights off, and it's nothing wrong with it because they're gonna be they're gonna be in the conference. I think they're gonna be in the conference finals against the Lakers. But it's 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 just funny how their mindsets have changed from we're gonna play hard every night. Every regular season game, and then now it's like, you know, hey, yeah. we got the Lakers on our schedule. We actually I play. Saying, I thought y'all had something to prove. Like they played last year, like they had something to prove. Right, like, right. These players now they play like y'all still got something to prove. So y'all, y'all keep talking about something. Y'all the best team in L.A. <laughs> prove it. Right. Stop losing the teams by thirty. You don't matter. Other things that do matter by thirty. Clippers will be losing mad. <laughs> what, is, what is this? Stop losing the Timberwolves by thirty. Stop it. Win. Beat those teams. Stop them so that you know what I'm saying. When it does come to those big teams, you're like, you know what's up? Because we, I like the Clippers a lot. I like the Clippers a lot. I like how they have built their roster. But yes, they and and yes, like you said. They're 40-19. Nothing's wrong. But it is the fact that they their mindsets have changed. Um, and they do. They do talk. They talk a lot. They talk a lot about the Lakers. And they talk a lot about how they are better than the Lakers. But we have seen more consistency from the Lakers this year other than the Clippers, rather than the Clippers. So it's just funny how to you know how we're gonna see these things work out, but me honestly, from just from the outside looking in, from the outside looking in, I think they are not worried. I think they are, they are they 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 they, they want they want to play the Lakers really bad. That's that's what it seems like. Every time I watch them, it's like they want to play the Lakers really bad in the Western Conference Finals. So they can beat them. So they can say they're the best. I, I I really do think that they are really trying to take it to the Lakers. I feel like they're honestly just piling pieces on, just like the Lakers are. I mean, Lakers piling on Marquise Morris. I just I feel like at this point, instead of it being a high key super team, people are just making low key super teams. Man, I mean, the Philadelphia yeah. is talking about trading Al Warfer so they can bring on another shooter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just feel like they're not bringing, oh, this is a superstar, all-star player. No, they're bringing on, oh, yeah, this person's in a three-point contest. And he can shoot, so bring him on. Oh, this person's a veteran. He has about eight years of experience. Why not bring him on? They, made, they were able to make that clutch shot this time. Bring him on. So I don't, you know, last year. I like, the, I like the Clippers, too. I see how they play. But it's just like, I feel like they're, they're bored. And they're ready for every. They're ready for big facilities to get, begin, so they can, you know, get to where Brian should. We never really know how they move because I feel like everybody's become much less quiet. The only person who's still, you know, yapping around is uh, Patrick Beverly. Pat. Oh God! But Kawhi's quiet. Paul George is speaking. He's spoken like once or twice this year. I've seen. Brian uh, is shutting up. Lou Will, the only talking I saw was in him, you know, yelling in the ref's ear. Yeah, no, 
nobody's talking. It's like they're just like, well, we know what we got. We ain't got to do. We ain't have to do much. The Lakers are talking and they're proving it. So I, I don't know. This is a very interesting playoff series. Yeah, playoff we're going to get into. I, I I can't wait to see that series. That's it. I hope it's the Western. I, I know it's going to be the Western Conference Finals. That's all I wanted to do. Yes, I do not want it to happen in the second round. I cannot yep. wait for that because I know the Clippers. I know the Clippers are thinking, we got these peoples. They are punks. We are the dogs. We are we run LA. And I know the Lakers are like, okay, okay, 30, okay. 30 point one ounce. <laughs> All right, bro. So uh, that's it. <laughs> uh, thank you, though. So, um, yeah, that's it. Uh, that was, um, that was, that was long, but, uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, like I said, we had a great month of February. Um, that was some good NBA talk. We got some NBA talk in. I told you guys, I had that for you guys, but, um, this is, this, this, we, we did really good in February. Um, keep clicking, keep sharing it, keep posting it. Keep doing whatever you're doing. Um, listening. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> you guys have you guys have done a good job. Um, but without further ado, uh, I see you guys. Adios, amigos. See you guys in a new week next week. When I see you guys, the next time I see you guys, it'll be March. So happy March, early March. And uh, peace to Black History Month. We are out. Uh, I catch you guys later. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>